0: I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We've for a few weeks been going through this prayer that's generally known as the Lord's Prayer. And we've got to the request in verse 10, where it says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's our subject for this evening. Praying, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, imagine people saying the Lord's Prayer. Can you? I'm sure you've heard it said somewhere. Can you imagine that? Can you think of a situation where you've heard the Lord's Prayer? What is it like? What are you imagining? What's that imagination like? Are you imagining a sleepy church service with people surrounded by stone pillars? reciting in monotonous voices as if it was a very dull poem, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and then sort of without even realising it, they've got to the end, that's it, that's a bit done, move on. Is that the sort of thing you're imagining? As you imagine how the Lord's Prayer is said, would you be imagining anything like Martin Luther King saying, I have a dream? Is it said like that? Or Volodymyr Zelensky appealing for help for Ukraine? Or do you imagine anything like Greta Thunberg getting very worked up about the environment? Is that how you imagine the Lord's Prayer being said? Well, my aim this evening is that we should pray your will be done with that sort of care and deep concern and depth of urgency. It's not supposed to be a sleepy prayer like reciting a dull poem. It should be more like Martin Luther King and Volodymyr Zelensky and Greta Thunberg combined and the most positive aspects of those at least combined. Now, to get at that aim, we need to understand this request. And so this evening, I've got as my structure three questions we must ask about this request. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Three questions so we can understand it. But do remember, the aim is more than understanding. The aim is, so we pray, your will be done with urgency and with concern and no sleepiness. So here's the first question, and we'll have to spend quite a while on this one. What is meant by God's will? What is meant by God's will? Obviously, we can't pray your will be done unless we know what is meant by God's will. Now, we could get confused about this. Isn't God's will always done? Isn't it a rather pointless prayer, your will be done? Because isn't God's will going to be done anyway? Isn't God's will always done? So what's the point of praying it? Well, we'd better consider what is meant by God's will. Yes, God is in complete control. The Bible keeps on telling us that God is in complete control. Repeated message of the Bible. I'm going to go through six places in the Bible now, so you can choose whether you want to turn very quickly and try to keep up with them or just listen to them. Because each one I'm just going to turn to pretty rapidly. So here's the first one. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, In Jesus Christ we were chosen... Having been predestined according to the plan of him who, listen to this, him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Wow, he works out everything to fit in with his will. Now, does that just mean God manages to make everything come okay in the end? He manages to make everything fit in so in the end his will will be done and it will all work out gets the destination. Or does it mean, actually, he works out everything in the journey to that destination also? Yes, he's in control of the details also. There are loads of places in the Bible that tell us about details God controls. I'm just picking some examples here I want to show you. Here's some examples. Children, do you like sledging? And you like snowmen? So, do you ever in the morning manage to make it snow? You like some snow and a day off school? No, of course not. But listen to this about God. Job chapter 37. Job 37, verse 6. He says to the snow, fall on the earth. And to the rain shower, be a mighty downpour, so that all men he has made may know his work. Why does it snow? Well, you could give a scientific explanation, but behind it is because God told it to at that moment. Verse 11, he loads the clouds with moisture. He scatters his lightning through them. At his direction, they swirl around over the face of the whole earth to do whatever he commands them. The very direction that the wind blows the rain in is at his command. The wind, the rain, the snow, not just that. Last Sunday, my family went for a walk on Beacon Hill, and we came across a dead—was it a blackbird or a pigeon? Can't remember which—on the ground. Think of how many birds fall to the ground in the woods of Beacon Hill, or the bluebell woods behind here, or across the woods of Charmwood. Let alone the forests of Siberia. How many there must be! And yet Jesus said, "I'm going to read you Matthew 10, verse 29." Matthew 10, verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. It just won't happen unless God allows it. The details and even the seemingly random events he's in control of. What is more random than this? Proverbs 16, verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. It's as mind-boggling as, when you're playing a board game, what number the dice turns up, God's in control of that. And at the other end of the scale, from the ridiculously small to the massive, We're told this is Job again, the rise and fall of nations. Job 12, verse 23, he makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and disperses them. He's in control of the dice, the sparrow, the snow, and the nations. And even when humans sin. Even when humans sin, he's in control. What was the most sinful act ever? Surely it was the killing of the Son of God. And how do the apostles describe it? Well, I'll read you a prayer they prayed in Acts 4. Prayer they prayed went like this. Acts 4 verse 27, Indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Notice it's their sin. They conspired. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Amazing. Amazing. It said they chose, they decided, they plotted, they sinned. God didn't force them. They didn't find themselves doing something they hadn't wanted to do. Their motive was bad and in the end failed. God's motive was good and fully succeeded. But God was totally in control of it all. Now, have you thought about at the cross, it wasn't just God engineering circumstances. It wasn't God just said, right, if we have these circumstances here, on balance of probabilities, they'll probably kill him. And on balance of probabilities, they'll probably do it by crucifixion. And if I engineer these circumstances on balance of probabilities, then they'll probably divide his clothes up. And they'll even say words to mock him that we could possibly get to fit in with Psalm 22. Can you see how that... God couldn't do this on balance of probabilities. It will work out. Somehow, mysteriously, he's in control of it all at a detailed level. And yet they are the ones who choose to sin. God is not responsible for any sin. His motive in it is all good. Now, this is beyond our understanding i almost said if you if you understand it come and tell me afterwards but actually yeah if you, if you understand it come and tell me afterwards because i want to correct you and say no you don't because none of us do it's beyond our understanding but it is not in the bible so we can get tied up in knots on difficult questions It's it's there so we are amazed at God and fear him and praise him. And do you know that chapter in the Bible that's full of this sort of difficult stuff about God's control yet human sin? Romans 11, how does it end? This is what it's all for. So we say, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. That's what it's there for not to get us tied up in knots about philosophical questions. Here's a verse to help us with this. It's nice and easy to remember because it's Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. That's easy to remember, isn't it? 29, 29. Do you know it? It's a really helpful one. It says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us so that we should obey him. There are are the secret things of why and how does God plan that and make it happen? I don't know. That's his secret things. And and, and mostly they're not our business. But there are things he's revealed. For what purpose? So we should obey him. God's behind-the-scenes control of everything isn't really our business. And it is not what the Lord's Prayer, your will be done, is about. It's not about that type of God's will. Our business is what God has revealed in the Bible, is his desire, his plan, his will, and your will be done is about that. So let's move on to that now. We've had, God is in control of everything, but that's not what this prayer is about, and it's mainly not our business. Our business is what God desires, and what God reveals in the Bible. There are many verses in the Bible about God's will. There's so much in the Bible about God's will, and usually it's not about God's behind-the-scenes control. Usually it's about what God desires, what is on his heart, the way he really wishes things to be. Now this is a mystery. How can God wish something to be and it's not that way? A mystery. And it's his will in this sense we're to ask for. I'll give you some examples, just a few examples. God's will is for Jesus to be head of everything. That's his will. I'll read you, it's in Ephesians 1 again. I'll read you Ephesians 1, but a different verse. Verse 9. And God made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfilment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Did you notice it's God's will and it's his pleasure for everything to be under the headship of Christ? Here's another verse that tells us God's will. It was read to us earlier. Did you notice in 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 4, God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It's his will for all people to be saved. That's his desire. Here's another. It's God's will for us to be pure. You are seeking God's will, wondering what God wants from you, maybe seeking guidance. What is God's will for my life? Well, here it is, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality. Or here's another one, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. What is God's will? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us, that we're thankful people, always content. That's God's will. Now, there are loads more examples. As you read the Bible, be on the lookout for verses that tell you what God's will is, what his desire is. Do those things always happen? Does God's will always happen? Well, not everyone is saved. And Jesus isn't always on it. And not all people are coming under his headship. And sadly, God's people are not always pure and thankful. So, in that sense, no. In that sense, God's will doesn't always happen. And so your will be done means praying for what God tells us in the Bible he desires to happen. That's what it's about, praying for what God tells us in the Bible is his desire, that that should happen. So there was the first question, what is God's will? There is his secret control of everything. That's not what this prayer is about. There is in the Bible what he's revealed as his desire. That's what this prayer is about. Second question follows on from that. Well, then how should we pray? Given all that, how should we pray? I'll give you two ways we shouldn't and one we should. Here's the first. Jesus said, pray your will be done. Well, here's the obvious one. It's not my will be done. It are not to pray my will be done. Do you pray my will be done? Here's a little story I've made up. Ali is disappointed with God. Disappointed with God. She's reached 40 and life hasn't turned out how she's expected. She had plans for what her family would be like and what her career would be like and what her finances would be like and what her health and her fitness would be like and they haven't happened. And Ali is disappointed with God. Now, what does Ali need to know? Well, she needs to know that God is a father and he does care. And we don't just dismiss her disappointments. Come on, pull your socks up. No, God is a father and he does care. But it looks like maybe Ali thinks God is there to make her agenda happen. Instead of her being there to get in line with his agenda. It looks like her focus might have been, my will be done. Come on, God, why haven't you done it? Has that been your focus? Are you disappointed with God? Because your focus has been my will be done and he hasn't done it. Now, you might think, but how can we not pray my will be done? Doesn't it come naturally to us? Don't you want your will to be done? You know, Who here doesn't want their will to be done? That's a strange sort of will. Almost by definition you want your will to be done. We've all got plans and ambitions, haven't we? Uh, Unless you're just sort of Half asleep all the time. Humans aren't supposed to be people without desires and ambitions. How can we be people who who don't say, my will be done? Well, isn't part of becoming a Christian seeing that your will has got spoiled and twisted? Don't you find this? Sometimes we desire things and they're just plain wrong. Sometimes we desire things and they're good. And what do we do? We so spoil it. We turn them into idols and we put them above God. I look back at things that were good things that I desired. And I look back and think, what a fool, how I messed them up. Do you have that experience? Becoming a Christian involves seeing how messed up our will is. But more positively, it also involves becoming a Christian means seeing how good God's will is. He isn't the tyrant in the sky. He's a good father. And his will is good for us. And I think we can say it is safe to pray, your will be done, not mine. Becoming a Christian involves, God, I make such a mess of things, I need you in control. My will is so often wrong, your will be done instead. So, How should we pray? There's the obvious one. It's not, my will be done. Here's another thing it's not. It's not, we don't pray, it is what it is. Have you heard that saying? It is what it is. I've only heard it in recent years. I don't know if I'm just behind or if it's been around for ages or what. But something bad happens. What do people say? It is what it is. I think it just means, oh, well, you can't change things. Just go with the flow. Here's an older version. In 1956, I don't know who here remembers 1956, I don't know, Doris Day, in a film, sang, Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Now, apparently, Que sera, sera was an old English saying which comes from some incorrect Spanish. I don't know Spanish, but apparently it's completely incorrect. But it was in this old English saying, taken to mean, just go with the flow cheerfully. Whatever will be, will be. You can't change it anyway. Now, our prayers shouldn't be a religious version of it is what it is. Que Sarah Your will be done. Whatever. Sometimes we can turn your will be done into that. It can actually be a form of laziness. I don't know what to pray. I can't think what to pray. Instead of working at what to pray, just your will be done. Whatever will be, will be. No. We're supposed to look into the Bible, what does God tell us he desires, and then pray seriously and urgently for that. Yes, there are times we don't know what to pray. What does the Bible say about them? The Spirit helps us to not just say whatever will be, will be, but to groan to God about that situation. The example of Jesus should help us here. This is why we read from, was it Mark, chapter 14? One Thursday night, there was Jesus in a garden with his disciples. And he knew what a horrible death was approaching. And he didn't pray, whatever will be, will be. There we go, just got to cheerfully accept it. He urgently, he tearfully prayed, is there another way? If so, please, may that other way be found. But Father, your will is good. I submit to it. Now, that your will be done wasn't a careless whatever will be, will be. It was your will revealed in the Bible. Your plan for saving sinners, make it happen. And that leads us on to the positive one. So we've had two negatives. It's not my will be done. It's not just a passive acceptance of everything. How are we to pray? It's this, your will told us in the Bible. That be done. God has told us in the Bible his desires and his plans. That's why your will be done should be like, as I said, Martin Luther King and Vladimir Zelensky and Greta Thunberg, that sort of level of urgency. Because your will be done is is a statement saying, Father, I cannot tolerate your will not being done. Look, Father, your son is so dishonoured here in our country. But it's your will he should have the honour. So silence the blasphemers. Look, Father, how many people are dying without Jesus as Saviour every day? Hundreds. You don't delight in the death of a sinner. Your will be done. Father, your will is our purity. So work in me to break that habit of looking at porn or having those fantasies. Father, your will is that your people be characterised by contentment and thankfulness. But we're so much like our society, you always got to have, got to have, got to have. Your will be done, make us different, contented and thankful. Do You see, so much in this world is out of line with God's will revealed in the Bible. And that should get us praying. A preacher in America called John MacArthur, he says this prayer, your will be done, is like an act of rebellion against the sin and the dishonour of God that's in the world. Now, I I haven't used the word rebellion because you rebel against a lawful authority. And sin is not a lawful authority. But I'm trying to get across the same point as him. This is a statement of, Father, change things. Surely we should not tolerate them as they are. Now you might think, yes, I can see that there are things that God says he desires that aren't happening. And I can see that there are things that God uh, says he's against that are happening. And I can see that that should bother us. But why should I pray? Why doesn't God just change it anyway? Why should I pray about it? Why doesn't God just do these things? And the answer is, God has determined, God has decided that he would do this work through his people praying. Here's an example. Jesus said to his disciples, look at the harvest of this world. Look at the number of people needing a saviour and not hearing of him. Now pray for workers to go out with the gospel. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest field. To which the response is, Well, it's his harvest field. Why do I need to ask him to send out the workers? He's more concerned for the gospel than me. Why do I have to ask? Is this like some Soviet job creation scheme? Why doesn't he just do it? Well, all I can say is, that's the way God has decided he will work in this world. Well, actually, I can say a bit more than that, because I can say, isn't it good Isn't it good that God has decided to use us? His plan is to work through us humans. We're not just dumb beasts. We're not just animals here to eat and sleep and repeat. He wants us to have a part in his plan, a responsible, enthusiastic, thinking part. And that part is played by praying, Father, your will be done. Corrie ten Boom was a Christian who hid Jews uh, during World War II when the Nazis were after them. And she continued to tell people about Jesus when she was confined to a concentration camp, suffering. She was concerned to do God's will. And she saw how much God's will is done through prayer. People said to her, these supposed answers to prayer just coincidences and her response was the more i pray the more i find coincidences happen god has chosen to work through us praying here's the third question third question briefly why does it say on earth as it is in heaven are you still in matthew 6 and have a look at verse 10 your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Everything I've said so far could be got just from the four words, your will be done. So why did Jesus add this bit, on earth as it is in heaven? Well, I think there's probably more to it than I've seen so far. But here are two things I have seen. One is to get us thinking on the right scale. Let's think about it this way. What book of the Bible are we getting the Lord's Prayer from here? Matthew. What is the theme of Matthew? We might say the life of Jesus. Yes, but we've got four Gospels. And did you know that while they're all about the life of Jesus, they each have a different emphasis, a different theme. What's the particular emphasis of Matthew's Gospel? It's Jesus as king. The promised king who would rule the world. You might think of, if you know it, how Matthew's Gospel ends. It ends with Jesus saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus came, uh, well, I've I've missed a bit actually, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey, in other words, do my will. Jesus came to be something big, to do something big, to be the saviour of the whole earth and rule the whole earth. So when Jesus says here on earth as it is in heaven, He's telling us pray with this big agenda. Pray with this big agenda. Not just your will be done in the little country of Israel. Not just your will be done in Holywell Church. And the rest of Loughborough, well, you know, no hope there. Not just your will be done in our part of the world. And we'll turn a blind eye to there being hundreds of millions across Central Asia who don't know Jesus. Not just your will be done in people who live orderly, respectable lives and the drug addicts, no hope for them. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's saying, have this big agenda. Pray with big expectations because Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Pray with the, with the right expectations and the right scale. But also, pray with the right time frame. With the right time frame. On earth as it is in heaven, it's getting us to think in the right scale and the right time frame. Now, we must pray for now. We should be concerned for here and now. It's not all the blessings and the good things are after Jesus returns and now it's just cling on. But on earth as it is in heaven is getting us to look ahead to a time when it will be heaven on earth. Do you know that? It's going to be heaven on earth one day. Because when Jesus returns, he's going to remake this earth. And it will be heaven on earth. Because what does the word heaven mean? Heaven is the Bible's shorthand for being with God. And God will be with his people on a remade earth. And then, think of the Lord's Prayer. Then, our Father's name will be hallowed, as every knee bows and every tongue confesses, Jesus Christ is Lord. And then, his kingdom will be completed. And then, his will will be done. There'll there'll be no tension then. There'll be nothing on earth that's contrary to his will. There'll be no difference between heaven and earth. And then, no people in Pakistan will be without their daily bread. And then... We'll be delivered from the evil one because he will be banished to where he belongs. Now, I said all that two weeks ago. And I even got an amen. And I'm glad I did. It should get an amen. But the aim wasn't to get an amen. That wasn't the aim. The aim was so that we should pray, Come, Lord Jesus, your kingdom come. Have you? At some time in this past two weeks since that sermon been praying, Come, Lord Jesus. Your kingdom come. It's not much point sitting and listening to a series of sermons on the Lord's Prayer unless we get on and pray it. Praying in the way, not just the words, but in the way Jesus taught us to pray. So, you've heard the sermon this evening. Will you pray the prayer? Will you pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven?